Interested in hearing your ad played during the show across two podcasts? Then get in touch at inquiries at beyond-theroot.com. Join us as we go beyond the root in search of the many solutions to the deep-rooted issues within the black community. Now, we may not find all the solutions, but what we do aim to do is have meaningful conversations so we can find some sort of resolution to equip the youth so they can deal with these issues in the future. So join me, Sam G. And myself, Joseph Augustine. As we go Beyond Beyond the the Roots. Hey listeners, how are you? And thank you for joining us again for another week of Beyond the Root. Yes, yes. Thank you, listeners. Mm-hmm. I hope Good you've been enjoying you. and been enjoying what you've been listening to thus far. But this week we are continuing with our Black Britain series. Yes, and we will be doing business, my favourite subject, <laughs> Black Britain, and how we fit in to the UK establishment in terms of business. And mm. um, this is one of my favorite topics as I'm an avid fan of studying all types of business throughout my life. Oh, what types of businesses have you been studying? Um, for me, it's mainly big corporates um, because they tend to control the world, as we all know. Um, I look at the rise of the person that started Amazon, who just before last year was the mm-hmm richest man on the planet not the richest man in existence but we'll get into that Mm -hmm. he's a black man just so everyone knows he's a mansa kaka musa and um yeah just to give you perspective on how how wealthy that man was when he done a religious tour for islam going through different countries he paved the streets with gold Mm -hmm. he pretty much bankrupt two countries by devaluing the value of gold through the amount that he put on the streets. Wow. That's how rich that man was. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, this, it's just lost, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's very much a lost history. But, you know, among the community, if if you know and you do your, your homework, I like to say, then you know who he is. You know, mm. he's a very, very prominent figure in black history. He was indeed, and amongst a lot of a lot of things, actually, in in terms of history, you know, uh, businesses were popping for yeah. the black community. You know, here internationally as well. So, yeah, spices, mm-hmm. um, products. I mean, in terms of skincare, who knows better than black people? <laughs> <laughs> tell me, tell me about it. Yeah. Uh, I love in the movement right now. I am loving the movement right now. I think uh, lockdown has really brought out a lot of people yeah. uh, in terms of business. Yeah, it's brought out the entrepreneur and a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I suppose, you know, the nation being on furlough, people finding it hard, only getting 8% of their wage, that they have to look in themselves and find that, that entrepreneur mm. and that innovation. I mean, I've been seeing a lot of it popping online. Um, I've consumed some from local businesses in terms of custom-made custom trainers, 
mm-hmm. um, from my friend Rowan, um, who I will be interviewing, which yes. the listeners will hear, yes. his skincare product um, from some ladies that make good West Indian food. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been getting that quite regular, it's just been real nice. Don't get me wrong, listeners, I can cook. <laughs> it's always nice you know, for someone else to cook for you of course of course um what's your favorite dish my favorite dish is the um fish boil i get some spider crab in there i get me some lobster in there uh-huh. you know it's good food good potato good big veg it's just oh. nice fish boil is real nice Oh, I don't do seafood like that. I, I don't, I yeah, the, the mention of the lobster and the crab. Oh my god! Oh, I love that stuff. It's good for the belly. <laughs> yeah, well, let's not talk about belly right now because I cannot wait for this gym to reopen back. Even though I have got a gym in my house, so it's all good. Oh, you're doing well if you got a gym in your house. I wish. But, uh, well, not like a, a custom-made gym, but you know, I've got all the equipment, so got got to put it to use. Um, but yeah, listeners, we are joined by an entrepreneur. Um, just in a moment, we'll be introducing him into the show, and that is Rowan from yep. Bedford. Um, but yeah, we. I mean, we see the rise, and I've seen the rise even more so in Black Pound Day. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, I think that goes um, hand in hand with what's been going on in America, where Mm -hmm. there was the Black Wall Street movement. Mm -hmm. And then obviously in the UK, it mirrored it through Black Pound Day, where you'll be supporting your own. But I think the Black Pound was, it truly showed its value Mm -hmm. when the movie Black Panther came out. Yes. Because to this day, that is still the highest selling solo superhero movie of all time. Yes, it was. And that showed the value of the black pound when the black consumer steps in and supports something that they can relate to. Mm-hmm. And from there, I saw a, a major influx in the commercial side of marketing towards black people, mm-hmm. um, which is always good. You know, it brings note to us, but obviously Black Pound Days where the the money that's generated benefits ourselves. Yeah. Um, so listeners, for all those that, that are new to what Black Pound Day is, you know, just in case you didn't know, but um their mission, and I'm I'm reading this off their actual website, so anyone can go on there and link up and support. It's um Black Pound Day. UK, but their mission is to address the economic inequalities and imbalances affecting black businesses and entrepreneurs in the UK and global diasporic communities. So yeah. that's really good what, what they're doing. And it was founded by uh, my just so solid was my favorite, but the Swiss. Swiss, Swiss yeah. Yes, he's the founder of it. And I, I think it it takes place the first Saturday of every month. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just a solution based approach, which is set up to support the growth of the black economy, which is good because like we are doing on this show, we're looking at what solutions can help us. Well, you yeah, know, there's a solution the right there, people. Mm-hmm. Um, as you just heard, first Saturday of every month. So 
You know, take your pennies and your pounds out <laughs> and support your own, look for black products. Mm-hmm. Whether it be, you know, cream, clothing, anything. I mean, even if you are a business owner yourself and you, you need to source raw materials, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. just the first Saturday of each month yes. look for your own, you know, you support it- our own, generate the community. Exactly. And you know what? You don't even need to be black just to support a black owned business. Because no. what was nice was I went into a, um, a Caribbean shop that sells all the products going, uh, food and everything. And um, where was that in Bedford? Yes, it was. It's called Montego's, the African okay. and Caribbean food market. Really, really beautiful in there. If you haven't checked it out, definitely do so. And like we said, support, that is the key word for this show. But um, but what was nice was that I had a conversation with an Asian uh, gentleman in there. And yeah, it was just over the food counter. You know, food brings people together. so yeah we was just having a a little chin wag there and it was so nice because he was like yeah I'm definitely coming back you know um it's it's not far from where he lived and then on leaving I saw other people that that weren't black you know non-black people coming in there and then they were sharing their stories about you know some foods that they had grown up eating some West Indian foods that they'd grown up eating which I thought was really nice you know to hear so um but i guess because i'm i'm feeling hungry at the mention of food (laughs) just now so we are going to be bringing on rowan who joseph interviewed earlier this week and um definitely support yes (laughs) i mean yeah we we had a um real in-depth conversation we covered actually quite uh, a vast amount mm-hmm. in the time we had and it was very interesting listening to someone that I actually admire I mean listeners I don't know if you know but uh, me and Rowan actually set up a business at the same time mm-hmm. mine didn't turn into what I wanted it to be mm-hmm. but I'm happy to see that one of my peers took their business to Progressed. the stage it's at now yeah with mm. good progression. I mean, I, I started up with a soap one. We both started up in uh, skincare products. Mine was soap mm. is, is cream. And to see him go through the trials and tribulations and to hear it from his own mouth of what mm. he's experienced and where he is now and the hardships he's come across, it's actually a beautiful thing. So yeah. listen, please, please do take note and support because at the end of the day, you know, it's someone following their dream and we could all relate to that. And his product is very good. Yes. It myself, it's very good. I'm not just plugging. <laughs> it's, it's very good. No, no, no. We may have some testimonials later on for you to hear that one there because there, there are a few people that have brought the product and absolutely love it. So let's take a listen to how it all started. Yeah, yeah. This is the interview, people. I hope you enjoy it. I'm Rowan Forrester. Um, yeah, I grew up in Bedford, well, mainly Kempston growing up. Um, I have two businesses. Um, one is Natural Iron Products, which is skincare products. And I have Reggae Matters, which is a um, events company celebrating reggae and um, putting on reggae, dancehall and um, dub events. So, yeah, that's me. Well, as you hear it, people, he is, like I said, a local business owner. He has two businesses. Um, we're going to aim to concentrate. My personal 
favorite is Natural I Am. I love the product. It feels good on my skin. It makes me feel like that night is shiny. Like I really can't complain. It's really <laughs> good. But we will go into both of your business ventures and, you know, how you've grown your business. It's like being a, a black business owner in what is essentially small town UK, Bedford. Okay, so firstly, uh, we'll go on to Natural I Am. Uh, yeah. I can see from reading your testimonial that you started due to the skin product you purchased for your household was affecting your child's skin. Is that correct? That's correct, yes. Um, basically, um, there was a product that, um, well, there is a product that um, a lot of people use in a lot of their houses. Um, we all know it well, but um, I was using that on my daughter and it wasn't agreeing with her. Okay. So um, I looked up different products to see what they were like. And um, I thought, sure, I still looking up at something. Why don't you just make something? So it's not that it's basic enough, but you can do it kind of thing. Yeah. And I decided to um, buy the raw materials and see what I could do, basically. Try and error. And um, to get the right formulation. Yeah. And then eventually I thought, um, well, yeah, I had it. So I thought, why not um, start using it on the whole family? And that wasn't even a thought in mind about business at that point. No. It was just to think to look after my daughter in, in, in the best way I could. So, yeah, so we had an organic product in the house. Okay. And, and when you did transition to the decision of setting up your business, was it a independent decision by yourself or was it with you and your partner? Yeah, it was it was independent um, for myself. It was um, it was basically like you know what I started to let people try it, friends, family. You know how it is, like yeah. so, like guinea pigs also, like you know, and people were like, boy, this is really good, man. It's helping me. Someone said to me it helped with their psoriasis. Someone helped with their eczema. I was like, you know what? I need to like see what I need to do to make this thing legit. Yeah, uh, make it legit in in the in the tax purposes legit yeah. it was a legit product but you know a proper yeah. way of it being legit so okay. people so i could sell it to the masses it's probably what six to a year month late or six to a year later six months to a year later i thought to myself you know what let's start this business okay okay and in terms of your other business how mm -hmm. did that come around was that just through passion of the music well with reggae matters it was an uh it's actually called Reggae Matters Vintage Soul, but like um, that was because I'm also a DJ as well, local DJ okay. from Bedford. And, hold on, um, hold on. DJ name, DJ name, just so the listeners know. <laughs> Rhino Selector is That's the DJ what I like name. to hear. That's what I like <laughs> to hear. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm, what, what made me start doing Reggae Matters Vintage Soul was um, I was playing out a lot out of town, weekly, yeah. three to four times a week out of town. And certain promoters were putting on events in Bedford. But for some reason, I won't get the bookings. So I thought to myself, hold on. I, I, know I'm, I know I'm certified in the game. We've been DJing probably about 22 years, whatever. Maybe longer than that. But I won't get in the bookings. So I thought, you know what? I'm just going to put my own events on and yeah. play at my own event. And that's how it started. So Regimenters and Vintage Soul started because, all because I wasn't really getting the bookings. But what I thought, in my own ends, I wasn't getting them. In out of town, I was with my own ends. I thought, you know what? I'm also just um, do my own events or start trying to do my own events, and then I can play my own events, and I can pay myself. Okay, and that was, and that was the the logic of it. Oh. That was eight years ago. 
eight years ago now. Yeah. Okay. So Natural I Am was a venture that was end of 2018, beginning of 2019. Yeah. And the music promotional side, that was around eight years ago. So that was your first project, yeah? Yes, okay. it was, so, yeah. Now, when you first started doing your businesses, well, your initial business, did you set it up believing that you were a Black-owned business or it was a Black business? I set it up as a business. Okay. So as a business. And why, why so, was that? Because, um, as I said, it was more of a thing where I, I thought that there was, with both businesses, I thought that there was not so much a gap but there was a gap for certain people, especially with the age I'm, I'm 37 years old. And I find that the over 30s struggle for a night out. That's okay. one thing. They struggle for a night out, um, especially we've all been young, so we know exactly how it is when we're young. Yeah. We're a bit leery, we're a bit much. And sometimes the over 30s don't really um, appreciate that. <laughs> Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. <laughs> right? So... That was one thing in regards to regular matters of interest sold. It was more advertised for, for a grown audience yeah. to have fun, listen to good music from the past and a bit of present. Yeah. And um, it was more that. So it's more of a comfortable space for anybody to go to at a certain age. Right. In regards to Natural I Am products, that was a, um, a venture that I thought that could, could be in any household like the big brands, um, uh, it, it, it can go anywhere. Like whether it's in your car, whether it's in your bathroom, bedroom, wherever it is, to anyone in, in the house. That was my main goal. It is a luxury product. It is more expensive than the, the household, but the products, the, the, the ingredients in the product are premium. Okay. So because of that reason, it does have a premium price, but the quality is much better. And that's true, listeners. Uh, I have purchased this product. The quality is a lot better. I can, I can give you that as a fact. So what you're saying is that because you're labeling yourself and your businesses as just businesses, now you're, you're a black person in business. I am, yes. It's not yes. predominantly a black business. And do you believe this is because you didn't want to corner yourself and corner yeah, your yeah. businesses? Of, of course, like in the day, like I, I don't feel like I should because um, if everybody wants it, I'm not gonna. Um, I'm not going to stop someone from having it. Like okay. I'm gonna promote it to whoever. If you want to buy it, that's that's perfectly fine with me. If it can help you with your eczema or your psoriasis, that's perfectly fine with me. If I can help a black person with it, I can help a white person with it. I can help a mixed race person with it, Asian, wherever. That's perfectly fine with me. So I never promote it as a black business. Yes, I'm a black business owner, but I didn't promote it as a black business. I just promoted it as a business that can possibly help you with your problem and your skincare problem. And, and that goes the same for the music as well in terms of your- Yeah, same thing with the music. At the, end of, at the end of the day, what you have to understand is with the music, over the years, we have, we a lot of people do talk about how um, cultures have snapped our culture, which is which is definitely true. There's no, there's, there's no denying it. But what the, what the reverse is, which is um, quite ironic, is that reggae music is bigger in the rest of Europe than it is probably in Jamaica itself. Okay. Like, which is ironic. Like, in what's whether it's Spain at Rotterdam Festival, which is a huge um, reggae festival, 
or if it's Germany, Switzerland, Sweden. Germany is massive. Massive, massive in Germany. Germany. France, massive. Italy Portugal, as well. Massive. Italy, massive. However, it's not massive in England. Yeah, very true. It's it kind once of was in the 80s. Yeah. In the 80s, seven, so t- even before then, yep. 60s, win rush time. Yeah. 60s, 70s, 80s. Reggae music was in the charts. Yeah. You know? And then for some reason, it just faded away. And a lot of the youths weren't really interested in it, more into hip hop, which is perfectly fine. But there became almost a stigma for reggae music in this country, in England. Um, so it almost kind of like faded away. Obviously, you're always going to have the people who are native to the music, also say, who just love music, but they're eventually going to die out. They're older people. Okay. But they, the youngers, they'll listen to the dance hall and stuff like that, but the root core, um, they're not really interested in where I find it weird because as you have um, France, Germany, Italy, Spain, as we said, um, we we in this country, we had the Windrush generation. So they come from that, which we are the Windrush generation. Yeah. And um, But the, in France, Italy, Spain, they don't have no Windrush generation, but yet they've adapted the music more than the Windrush generation. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Where yeah. we would have had it played in our houses and everything growing up. So um, it's just, that's why... The music is for the masses because we all know that music, ideally, um, or well, to say it doesn't. I know people use it as a cliche to say it doesn't have any color, but this is proof. You got you got Spain, Italy, France, Germany, Sweden, yeah. banging out reggae music, having the biggest reggae festivals, which is a which is supposed to be a predominantly um, Caribbean African genre of music. Yeah. Yeah, but has true. been taken over, not take, not taken over, but I mean, it's been appreciated more in those countries, which are predominantly white. Yeah. Would you say then, having your extensive background in your business and it being essentially black cultured, mm-hmm. you're, you're sort of like a natural I am. Mm-hmm. Main thing in there is it's cocoa butter. Yeah, uh, that journey comes from. I know I grew up with it in my house, as mm-hmm. you, you did, and it's something you wanted to carry on in mm-hmm. terms of your music production. It is it's reggae. Yeah. Now, as you've said, due to answering my questions, you're promoting your businesses as business. Mm-hmm. Would you say you've come around as a full circled black business owner? And what yes. I mean by that is where you're not just targeting our culture and pigeonholing you're actually come full circle where you know where you're at you know who you are and you know your own culture but Mm -hmm. as you've just said is for everyone yeah yeah so you'd say that you've come full circle yes yeah definitely obviously growing growing up where i grew up like in bedford and kempston yeah like it was very it's a it's a mix of people you know um white people black people asian so like um even though you said about yes cocoa is like um possibly a predominantly black kind of thing you know what I mean? because <laughs> growing up it was as standard in your house possibly not as much as it would be in a white person's house yeah but it's standard in a black person's house however the times have massively changed white people are buying more products than black people almost at the time as we are in now Back is that day. something you've experienced with your businesses? 100%. That's just my personal experience. Okay. And doing other, other types of research, you know 
back in the day, we all know as Caribbean um, people that white people don't really cream too tough growing up. Okay. You know what I mean? It wasn't it wasn't a thing for them. They used to laugh at us at school. You don't yeah. in your hair or if it's your skin or whatever the case may be. But now it's almost full circle because it's a standard for us. Yeah. It's new to them still. You know what I mean? It's, it's still new to them because they're trying different products. They'll spend a hundred pound on like 30 grams of something, you know? Yeah. To try yeah. And reduce some kind of wrinkles. But <laughs> which is the truth. Like, and and, and it's evident because you're seeing more and more adver- advertisements with this moisturizer specialist cream or this da 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 da, and the the promotion is isn't really black people because black people will, will, I can almost say ninety nine point nine percent of black people we already have that unlock. Yeah, it's, it's just within our life. Okay, <laughs> we, either, yeah. we bath, we wash, we shower, we cream. It's as it's as standard. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, but as I said, growing up for, for white people, it isn't as standard for them because I can guarantee there's probably white people out there who still don't cream. Yeah. You know, so um, so to go back to your question, yes, full circle, because why would I not approach those people who possibly haven't tried cocoa butter? Do you know what I mean? Who, hasn't, who probably hasn't like tried mango butter or whatever it is? Yeah. And probably, and probably might fix their, um, their situation in regards to their skincare routine. Okay, so would you say to any, you know, any person looking to start a business alongside those lines, don't pigeonhole yourself and just, because obviously, you know, I've seen a lot of businesses come up lately due to what happened last year in America, George Floyd, um, in terms of like Black Wall Street over here, we have the Black Pound. A lot of people inside the community have started making their own businesses out at, um, in regards to our culture, whether it be African or Caribbean, we're starting to use things that we've grown up with, traditions passed down, and setting up businesses with it. Would your advice to them be don't pigeonhole yourself? Because for me, I wouldn't understand why you would pigeonhole yourself in, in an already saturated market where you can just be a black business person promoting a product to a wide mass? Well, some people feel uncomfortable. It's funny that because um, I think you should personally um, try and promote it to anybody because at the end of the day, that's the masses. The masses is everybody. Yeah. But you, still need to, you still need to promote it to a demographic of people. Whether that is black or white, the demographic of people still needs to be the same within the same sector. So what I mean by that is that you might have a white person and a black person who both like cocoa butter. Yeah. If but if you are promoted to just black people, um, who half of them only like cocoa butter, so you're missing out the the half of the white people who like cocoa butter. Yeah. So you have so many different types of areas that you, you can almost like get into. It all it all depends on how much you are going to promote your brand to that particular type of people like you could solely stick with black people but it will be um in my experience i find it's difficult because not to disrespect anybody but i almost find that i i don't get the a massive massive um input from black people 
Okay. Like within within my business, it almost eradicates the fact of it being black owned because I'm not getting huge support from the black community anyway. Is that is that in both businesses in terms of your natural I am and your reggae uh, promotion? Right. So um, to be clear, right, with natural I am, I I get more white customers. Okay. Right. In reggae matters. It depends. It depends on what music. But like, um, and the last event I had was Channel One. I think someone was there. There was more white people than black people. Okay. So it depends um, on situation. I don't, and it also de- it depends on everything, especially with events. It depends, it depends on venue. Yeah. It depends on cost. Yeah. Because some people will um, say to you about cost when they're coming to pay to at the event anyway, they'll still question cost. Some people won't question cost at all because they just want to enjoy what they are going to experience. Where and, and and that's a that's a different conversation in regards to the black community as well. Expand on that. Would you say that's a local thing in terms of small town black Britain or in a city? Both. A bit of both. Because you will have some people who are Happy to pay whatever they want because they want to, because they want the experience. But there's some people who want the experience but aren't prepared to pay. <laughs> you know? There's that as well, right? There's that as well, and it all depends on lifestyle. It all depends on money. Yeah. Like some people want extreme value for money, which is nothing wrong with that. Some people are prepared to pay less for something. That is going to do half the job. Okay. Some people are prepared to pay more. That is going to satisfy them fully with the job in regards to my cream. So they'll pay premium price for for a premium product for a premium experience. Where someone will might pay less than half and be like, okay, you know what? It does the job a bit, but mm-hmm. I'll be happy with that because it does does the job a bit. Where if with something premium, with well, especially with my premium product. It has premium ingredients. So because of that, I will promote it as a premium product. Where if you've noticed over the years, I know I'm going to slightly veer off a bit, but if you've noticed over the years, especially with high-end fashion or big corporations, premium is no longer actually premium. So if you're going to talk the likes, the, the likes of, there are still some, but the likes of the big branded companies out there, mentioning their yeah. names, at what years ago, it would be an absolutely premium product. Whether the tailoring or the sewing was amazing, yeah. the structure or, or whatever it was, was brilliant. Now, the clothes and stuff, they're all made in factories. Oh, yeah. But just with a premium tag. You know? Yeah. Like the same, and I've, and I've experienced that too when I used to work um, um, for a company. Like the same um clothing in this particular place was the same at a lower budget place yeah. you know the same um textiles and haberdashery and stuff like that was the same so um but i've noticed now more and more people and I, which is a really good thing more and more people are supporting more local more independent shops whether it is cream food music whatever the case may be um, it's nice to see that more and more um, people are 
seeing that, you know what, we like stuff that's more natural. We like stuff that's from an indie shop. We know these big corporations are almost fleecing us, but obviously there's some stuff you still have to buy, but they want to support the fellow man and woman. That's good to hear. Well, that's, that's especially coming from yourself, someone who is experienced in business and is starting to see the trend of a customer base appreciating, you know, self-wealth, someone who's aspiring to have their own business and make it grow. But what I did want to know is, obviously, you've been in the game of business for quite some time now. Um, at what point did you turn around to yourself and say, I actually have something here? Like, first in regards to your music, what was it that made you think, okay, I've set it up, it's going, it's going. I actually have people looking out for my promotions now. And yeah. when you have reoccurring customers. Mm-hmm. And like, just firstly touch on the, the music side. Yeah, so like, um, so yeah, I started Video Soul and Rigamat as, um, I just said like seven, eight years ago. And um, obviously everything starts off small, you know. I had a, um, a British, black British artist called Omar, performed at the first one. Did a blinding job, of course, wicked eyes. And um, and I just saw that people wanted this. People used to ring me up saying, when's the next British song? When's the next Rigamatis? And I'd be like, do you know what, boy, I don't even know you now, because, boy, I've got a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Because them thing, they ain't cheap, you understand? Yeah, yeah. Them thing to run are not cheap, and people want better each time. So I had to almost think of a, a method to, um, it took me ages like to find the right DJs and the right artists to be able to get that formulation right, to have that every three to four months was when the, I was usually doing them. And it was all because people wanted somewhere to go, feel safe and not worry about there being any type of drama. You know, because as I said to you earlier on, sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes you do have times when youngers can be a bit mouthy, be a bit drunk. I'm not saying that older people can't do the same because they can, but I'm saying with the younger culture, they're just on it when they're going out, isn't it? Where older people, they might go out that once every four months, you know, to have a good drink, chill, dance, vibe, have a good experience. So for me, in regards to Regimentized Vintage Soul, I have a following of people that come every single time. You know, they, they don't miss it. And they come from Hitchin. They come from London. They come from, um, I had someone come from, I had someone come from um, Southampton. Southampton, wow. Manchester, Sheffield. Um, the woman called me up from Ipswich, coming to Bedford, to my event. So I, I have a nice base of followers, which is really nice. And that is all backgrounds. So yeah, it started because of that, you know. Um, obviously, it started because I wanted to do it on my, on my own anyway. But why it progressed is because I saw the following and people needed it. Like it's outside of London. There, there are events that are like you know back to '95 and these kind of things that are for grown people. But in in the counties, there isn't really. Okay. You know what I mean, there isn't really um, anything going on for someone to just have a even go with your partner, or your wife, or just go by yourself or your brethren. Do you know what I mean? There isn't really something for people to do. You're saying basically down to location outside of the inner cities like London, Birmingham, Leeds, Leicester, where they do have 
pockets of communities that play reggae and throw these dancehalls and blueses. You're saying around this area like East Anguilla, where it's like um, small towns, counties, they needed something like that for like the 30 plus. Yeah, and, and the thing is, um, you have to remember as well, coming from a Caribbean background yourself, like th- that was there back in the day. So it was, was very much so. Yeah, there was the blueses in all the small counties. There was the West Indian clubs, the Caribbean clubs, whatever. There was loads of those everywhere. But elders are dying out. And yeah. the youngers aren't really on that whole community. It's, they are, but it's, it's hard to... It's not how it was. When, when we were growing up, as I said, our parents would go to the West Indian club to see their fellow friends from back in Jamaica or Grenada or Barbados or wherever they're from at yeah. the West Indian club in the town. Right, so we as young as we, we used to follow our parents, didn't it? Yeah. Used to go there with them, you know. So you'd meet other people from the community at that club, and sometimes just you'd be all nine, ten, eleven, up or two o'clock in the morning, <laughs> drinking ribena. <laughs> no ribena, Chris, and a topic. You know what I'm saying, right? So, so that is gone. That that has gone. Yeah, because like. And so for like um, the likes of me and yourself who are from the generation of going to those West Indian clubs, you might hear Tutu Reggae, whatever it was, Soul, the case may be. Um, we can, I suppose, do that now with my event, like right. uh, with Vintage Soul Reggae Matters. So you will hear the songs of when you were growing up from what your parents played at my event in a safe space. So yeah, um, it's, it's done a full circle in the, in the respects of there was the West Indian clubs. I'm not saying there isn't anymore, but there, it was just different. It was just yeah. different. No. Different time, different mindset. Now, in regards to Natural I Am, at what point did you look here and say, I actually have something and there's reoccurring customers and my product is working? What yeah. Could you just talk us through, basically, so the listeners understand, like I said, yeah. if there's any aspiring entrepreneurs um, anyone looking to start up a business, well, the um, stepping stones of what they need to see in order to know yeah. that it's reality, it can happen. Yeah. Well, as you, as everyone knows, like um, when you're people only see the final product of something. They don't Very true. Behind it, right? There is a lot of hard graft behind natural iron products, and um, sometimes. <laughs> I thought to myself, Do you know what? I'm not really on this because it's just, it's just getting hard. Right? <laughs> yeah. You know, but I persevered because I started to see people wanting to buy it more and more and more. So when I was, when I was making it, I was, I did wonder to myself, would this actually sell like properly? And I thought it started to really sell in a, in a way that I, I like from not so much um, the Bedford community, but from out of towners and, um, people from all backgrounds were sharing it on, online. This is before it became a business. And um, I thought, you know what? I need to make this a business. I need to make this a business and um, and just see. <laughs> and just see where it goes. Yeah. Like, you have to take the risk. Risk with no risk without reward. And um, so I decided to do that. I, I um, obviously re- registered it as a business. Yep. I did all the the correct um, certifications in regards to getting it, getting all the safety data sheets, getting all the correct um, 
formulas right to send off to the scientists get up to get lab results all that kind of stuff yeah and um and then once i because i designed i designed the label myself i designed the website myself i did everything myself to try and save as much money as possible that's what you have to do when you're starting off very very small because you don't have 500 pound here for website 500 pound here for designer 500 pound because that's what it is yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah the prices are always zero 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 (laughs) (laughs) you know what i'm saying yeah so um because of that it's like right i'm gonna do everything myself as much as possible i'll try my best to make it great and let's see how it sells so everything's from my house i was making it every sunday doing batches and it was selling people like i want to try cream and i'm buying it from me and I advise any small business who's just about to start to always just do small numbers first. Now, I mean, if your business starts to grow like dramatically, amazing. Then you start scaling up. Then you start yeah. looking at other um, avenues or other like, I don't know, um, different lines within your business, yeah. you know, um, before anything. Start off small. You don't have to run. Like you do not have to run. Everyone wants to get rich quickly, but sometimes you can't. No. And it takes time, it takes effort, it takes a lot of hours, but it's for yourself. So nothing to worry about, car. You're not doing it for someone else. Yeah. And time flies when you're doing it for yourself. I'm telling you that now. Okay. Okay. Well, that's good. That's good to hear. Because listeners, I, I've actually been, I'm a fan of marketing. I love business. I've tried a few business ventures myself and one thing I can tell you in regards to Rowan, his marketing is amazing. Um, Thank you. As, no, it, it's very true. I've seen, and hence why I've asked the questions I've asked in regards to who he's targeting as a customer base. His marketing does not discriminate. When you see the colors, they're vibrant. They're not targeted towards what you'll typically see on a black owned business of the dominant colors of red, gold, and green, or you might see an Afro or uh, always dark skinned. It has, I've seen it with every race. I've seen it with all the vibrant colors under the sun, even down to the textile, to the, the patterns used. It is very multicultural and worldly and unisex. There is, you, you don't see any predominant race or sex in his marketing and that for me is is just testament to the hard graft that he's putting in and where he is getting and i could really see it in his work so like i said i'm a real big fan of it so i'd like your opinion on a personal base as a established local black business owner how would you describe black business owners in relation to black britain today it's a good question guys um that also depends again, like um, because I have friends who are black business owners and who are very much so doing a full circle. They're not promoting their brands as being black, but I don't have a problem with people um, promoting their stuff as being black because um, I say to a lot of um, black businesses who are promoting their stuff, whether it is with an Afro on it, whether it is whatever the case may be, yeah, um, you are promoting to us, you are promoting yourself to a certain demographic, which is perfectly fine. But you have to also remember that you can't you, you can't change. Do you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. um, 
you could only you're only within that circle. Not not you're not going around the circle. You're within it. You know you you've got you've got to make that conscious decision before you go into business where you want to sell or whatever product you know you you're you're going to sell. Yeah. Um, but I do believe that those who are doing well and selling to black people are they're doing well because they have a black people when they when they're loyal they are very loyal. Yeah. Like, there's 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 no denying that they are very loyal. But um, but if you want to grow, like like really grow, you, you cannot stick to just that. Yeah. Because um. If you want to, for example, if I want to get my um, product in vogue or something, yeah. and it's going to be pushing the narrative of black owned, black this, da 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 da, which is cool, obviously. Like, I'm not dissing that. But you have to remember when you have people like Vanity Fair and Vogue, their demographic, their demographic of people and their pay is usually between 75,000 and 150,000 yeah. pounds. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So they're looking at that. So when you so when you put a um I don't know an image of like um black, red, and green, yeah, or red, gold, and green, they they are immediately not looking at it. However, yeah. however, right, they will look at it if it's marketed it in the different way. Because let's be honest, a lot of businesses do have a lot of culturally culturally black things within their business which white people buy yeah but it's not advertised as that no you know what i'm yeah, saying that's correct yeah it's not advertised as that but as soon as you put uh it's black this for da, 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 they're not really on it but you could put something else and hide it within the right and they're on it yeah like for example like i don't know a, a do-rag yeah you call it i don't know a nightcap <laughs> that might be on that <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's, yeah. it's, it's the same thing. But like, but to go back to your question, I know I veer off a bit. To go back to your question, for, for black for black businesses now, um, it's, it's, it's brighter than ever. It's brighter than ever because you can go full circle you, or you can stay in your demographic. But I wouldn't advise that personally, just for me. Okay. But then, like you said before, that does depend on town mentality, city mentality. Because you will have, you almost have, like, for example, we, we are from Bedford and we don't have pockets of black people in a town. Yeah. Right? We, we did, kind of. But when you go to London, you kind of do, in a way, yeah. sometimes. So you go, even though it's quite, it's, the gentrification is there, but yeah. you will have a town, like, for example, like Brixton, for example, you just have bare black people there. Yeah, yeah. Right? So if you are a barber or you're selling products from a shop in Brixton and you know for a fact there's 100,000 people and they're all going to go to your shop, you're going to make a little change. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But in, a, but in a small town, you can't do that. You're going to have a core following still, but it's different. I, I just personally think as a business, it's different when it comes to city and town. It also depends on how much money is in those demographics. Yeah. Because you're always going to have people who are going to have a bit more money than others. Yeah. So, so it's, it's always going to struggle for you to be able to find your demographic. That's why I go back to the whole Vogue Vanity Fair thing because their market, target market, is people who earn between 75,000 and 150,000 pounds. Yeah. 
So you could advertise the likes of the big brands, the big design label brands, and possibly natural I am. Yeah. Because 20 quid for a cream is light work for them. Yeah, very <laughs> where, much so. You know what I mean? Where 20 quid for someone like down the road who needs fixing in regards to eczema or psoriasis and that can't really stretch. So as a business, I think you just have to be wary of your client base, yeah. where you put your business and in regards to if you're going to have a business on the street, that is yeah. um, on the high street or whatever, you've got to worry about where you put your business, who your clientele is and who you, you're going to market your clientele to. And um, if you, as I said, if you do feel like you want to market your business to the black community, that's perfectly fine. Yeah. But you have to structure it solely with that. You know, you have to structure, you have to really put that in and make sure people know. And if someone does come in from a different race, you can't alienate them because they want to try something. But also, you've got the flip side of it, Joseph. You can even have someone, you can have a product that is for black people only, but then you might have a woman who's white who's had a mixed race child. Yeah. So she's going to have to come to you anyway. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. you cannot alienate because you... We are so mixed and multicultural nowadays. You don't know who that person is, who that person's married to or whatever. Because if they're married to a black man or vice versa, a black um, woman married to a white guy, that person's going to have to go in there to get their daughters or their son's products. Yes, they are. You know what I'm saying? So If you want to sell it, you've got to have that appeal. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that's why I think you should do full circle. Well, yeah, that's, that's pretty much what I believe. For myself, we, as a community, we need to go full circle if we want to generate wealth, which brings me on to my next um, question. In regards to, because we all hear all the time in terms of America, Black Wall Street. Mm -hmm. Now, I've seen pockets of that in America where it's built and been towed down. Obviously, there was the infamous town of Tulsa in America. We see it currently now in Atlanta where mm. there are a lot of prominent black business owners. They are generating a lot of wealth inside the community. Mm. Now in the UK, what we have, I see, is Black Pound Day. Mm-hmm. Now, do you see that as a fad or something that can actually gain traction and what that would mean for black business owners in the UK? Well, um thing is that with America and UK, it's completely different. Yeah. Because with, with, with America, the, the difference with us in America is that, um, one, there, there are pockets of people in America that that whole town is just black people. Yes. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying? Right. And that, might, that may be for 20, 30, 40 miles. Yeah. Like <laughs> like, North Carolina, places like that. Just black people. Like, even in Atlanta, like yeah. there's just you won't go nowhere else to see white people. Yeah, do you know what I mean so they can they can do that. They can do that. We can't really do that here. We'd like to, and yes, it goes deeper than um, what you're saying. And you're fully right in saying it because it's all well and good. Even me as a black businessman, right? Um, if people want to put a title on that, it's still hard to have the paper trail. So. If I'm a black businessman, that's one. This is what I will say about full circle, right? Yeah. Yes, I'm a black businessman, right? But I don't fully know the executive of where I'm getting my products from, my ingredients. Yeah. I don't know that man I'm buying from is black, white, or Asian. Yeah. 
fully. Do you know what I mean? So how far do I have to go down the line as a black man to say I'm a black business? Then the next point of call is a white guy. Yes. Yeah. From my ingredients. Yeah. Not. I don't know who he is or she. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I know I can buy a bulk from that person, right? You know what I'm saying? So, yes, I do like the black pound thing. And even recently, I found this um, this rum. It's called Hillary & Co. Sorry, it's mm-hmm. a rum punch. Hillary & Co. And it's a black-owned rum punch. Yep. Right? It Don't say black-owned on it, from what I remember. And it was in an Asian man shop. And the, and the drink's bad, right? The drink is wicked. So um, with the black pound thing in the UK, I haven't benefited from it. Mm. Like, I have benefited from it. Like, when it runs, when it, I've seen it being posted up, whatever, and I haven't had on the day someone purchased from me. Yeah. Black pound day. So in the essence of what you're saying about the black Wall Street, all this, those kind of things can happen in America more so, because America, as I said, has huge pockets of black people just in one town. You open a chicken shop, you open a hair shop, every person's going to Simon's hair shop yeah. in, in Atlanta. Because that's what Simon does. Everyone's going to go to Era's fried chicken spot because it's yeah. the baddest. And everyone's going to ma- form a massive queue because it's certified. You know what I'm saying? Right? But it's, you still have to remember the line of connection where you get your products from, your ingredients. There's that to be to understand too. It's deep. It's, it's deeper than it just being Black Pound or Black Wall Street or whatever it is. It's, it's deeper than that because we have to then have pockets of, for example, now, right? You you open a business and you're going to start selling, I don't know, chicken or something. Fried yeah. chicken, Joe's fried chicken spot, right? Yeah, and you and you start promoting it as black owned, black this, da 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 da. Cool. So that farm you're getting a chicken from, where is it coming from? Wilfred's. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? yeah. You have to then say, you know what? If my man is going to be, if, if I need to find a black farmer. Yeah. So would you, know you say saying? that's down to um, networking or we just need to build a culture where we are naturally networking, but that's a long, long process. Yes. Yes. We need, we need our own ting. Okay. And when I say that, I mean everything. Okay. And it's not to diss other cultures because they all have their own ting already. Yes. Yep, because yep, I, I solely believe that. Bruv, Italians go to Italian shop and get their food, innit? Yeah. Polish people go to Polish shop and buy their food. Yeah. Yeah? Right? Solely, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Solely. Like, they'll go there and buy everything. Uh, don't get it wrong, people still talk to go to little Tesco, whatever, whatever. But more time, they'll get their stuff from their Italian shop, their Jewish shop, their Polish shop, and then we don't have that shop. That is very we, true. You know that what I mean? Very true. Yeah, we, we do, but we don't. If you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Now, don't. What I like that you're giving this response because what that moves me on to my next point in regards to generations. 
Because I personally believe that there's a gap between generations in regards yeah. to understanding the youth and showing them respect for what they've achieved. Yeah. And I think our generation and the generation before us are reluctant to pass the baton over. Is this something you share or do you have a different view? Yeah, that's I listen, I believe that 100 percent because if you look if you look properly, yeah, right, how I raise my children compared to how your parents raise um you yeah. how my parents yeah you know, it's completely different yes like, it is and and like it's still there with the premise of you having all the manners however i also want my child to be free what i mean free is is that i will might right no disrespect to my parents because obviously i love my parents and my dad yeah. passed last year like when i was growing up i was rubbish with money rubbish yeah yeah with money right and my mum or dad never said to me, like, properly, sat me down and said, you know what, son? We want you to save for a house. So yeah. the money we take from you every month is for a house solely. Right. Yeah. The other thing is, isn't like, you should get a job or go to college. It's not saying to you, son, you can have your own business. You can yeah. have your own business. Yeah. There was never that. Where with me now saying to my kids, you could have your own business. Don't work for someone else. You might need to work for someone else at some point because that's how we are, because we just need to. Yeah. But solely, if you can, work for yourself. If you can't, you can't, but at least you've tried. Yeah. yeah? Do, you, do, you honestly, do you honestly feel that if I said to my mum or dad, when I was growing up, oh, yeah, mum, you know what? I'm going to um, be a gamer. Like, they're like, what? They'll be like, what? We're doing gamer. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play games for a living, man. I'm gonna play FIFA for a living. They'll just laugh at you, right? Yeah. Laugh at you. But the way these youths are doing gaming, influencing, YouTube, OnlyFans, all these things. It's amazing. Are making them money. And yeah. it doesn't matter how the money comes as long as it's legit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, you're a doctor making money or a gamer making money. If you're making money, you're making money, innit? Yeah, <laughs> like, no, I, I, I see exactly what you're saying because... And it's irrelevant opposition. People need to stop get, People need to stop with this whole, oh, you know what? He's, he was a police officer, you know? Because that's how our generation is. They're like, yeah. oh, he's a doctor. Oh, he's a lawyer. Oh, he's an engineer. It don't matter now. No, no, I see these youths. They're taking control of their own journey and it's got, it's got nothing to do with I, I believe that we are actually just catching up to their mind state in terms of having pride in our own success yeah, and not wanting gratification from our peers yeah. in, in terms of they are doing, as you say, they're doing the influencers, they're doing social media, and they are generating so much wealth independently. Now, mm. obviously, we still have that, I think, colonial mindset where we still don't know how to spend the money wisely but it's because it's in its infancy now yeah. look when when the royalty have money they went and put diamonds in their crown mm. we'll just put diamonds on our chain before we bought a house yeah. but that comes with progression yeah you know? and but they are generating more than we ever did in our yeah. time and they, our, and the time before like the generation before ourselves, the biggest thing was buying a house. Now yeah. I'm seeing them buying a house and buying their parents a house. 
Yeah. You know, that's massive success. Yeah. Even before the age of 30, 25. Yeah, in the 20s, early 20s. Yeah. And like, um, and you're, you are 100% right in, in regards to how to spend it because some, some things like, they, oh, I, hate, I hate talking about it so much because some things annoy me, annoy me so much about some of these black youths who are doing very well. Like, there's, they're never, not, well, in the experience of, in the experience of, from my eyes, yeah. I never experienced any humbleness. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes there are from, as you all say, it's, it's not everyone, because I can't say everyone. No, no. Sometimes there's never enough humbleness. If you're going to buy a yard, why have you got to tell someone that you bought a yard? If you've yeah. bought, if you've bought Alexander McQueen's, why do you have to tell someone that you bought Alexander McQueen's? Because the validation isn't the factor that you bought it and you like it. 70%, 80% of the time is because someone else likes it. Yeah. It's all to do with trend. A lot of these people are making lots of money. Nothing wrong with spending your money because you're working hard for it. Yeah. However, why do you need to tell everybody that you're working hard? For? Why do you have to tell everybody that I've now got this Louis Vuitton this, Christian Labou on that, Dior did? Why? I have no idea. But what, you, from what I see, from studying <laughs> business and seeing like really successful business owners out there in the world, because we do have access to more visuals and they do give back more now in terms of yeah. explaining how businesses are run, how to start off and how to conduct yourself. Once you hit the upper echelon of being a business person, they actually do less advertising. It's like Lamborghini. Mm. They don't do adverts because mm. the type of people they're selling to are not in chairs watching yes. TV. Yes, you know, yes. so that's, it, that's, that's bang on. That 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 is something I have seen, which I do believe, um, with this generational gap, we do need to close that gap and give them our knowledge of our wealth of knowledge that we have, because yep. throughout the years we accumulate knowledge of trial and error, as you said previously. We do, we make mistakes, we learn off of it, but mm -hmm. it seems like we are reluctant to give it back to the youth. We would rather shut them down and talk ill of them. That so, is true. That is true. But like, I, I am um, I'm an advocate of pushing the youngers. Yeah, like, you like I, don't, I don't want to. I don't want to feel like I felt for my parents. Because I've always felt, I didn't do very well at school. I did crap at school, right? But I, I felt that there was no other avenues. <laughs> like, okay. there was only go to college to get a trade. Da -da -da -da, get a trade. A little bit of trade, right? Or there was nothing to set me up. Like I, I at the end of school, I thought I thought I was gonna be a complete failure. <laughs> you know what I'm really? saying? Like I had no ambition. Like I had no ambition till my late twenties. Okay. That's the truth, right? It's almost like I had like a eureka moment with myself. You know what I'm saying? Like, bruv, it doesn't, and it, it doesn't matter if you're, it doesn't even matter if you're making money or not. It matters on your mind process, on my, your mind thought process is what I mean. Like, yeah. if you start a business, 
and you want to help it grow or you want to try and push into it, you're already rich with, with that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You're already rich. Your business might not, be, might not be successful for five years or it might not be successful at all. But the fact of that you've tried it is the win because you're never yeah. going to know if you don't try. That's you're never going to know the end result until you try it. And I had a conversation with someone the other day. They said to me, oh, I don't want to start making soaps. And they have been and sent it to certain people. And they said they're, re- they're really scared. They're really scared about like doing it. Yeah. I go, what's it you scared of? Oh, I don't know. I'm not very, I don't find I'm very intelligent. I don't find I'm very smart. I go, but you're making these soaps though, right? Yeah. So, well, that's not smart. That's not intelligent. You know what I'm saying? Like they're, yeah. they're putting themselves down immediately before they even tried. And I understand that because it is scary because you, you vision yourself. Oh, I'm not here in five years. I should be in the shops. Yeah. Should be dangerous. Tesco is da, 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 da. And that's what people see as, as success because they're in the main shops. But what you need to understand is, is that you are, you are already successful from just starting the business because you've tried something that someone else hasn't done. Yeah. Or your peers haven't done at least. You know what I'm saying? Like, like and it, it is scary. It is scary because you, and it's scary and it's costly. And it you have to pay all these things without selling us one unit. But it is <laughs> self-investment. Yes. And, and you have to say to yourself, look, I'll give you a wicked example, right? When I go, like, when I go to work, yeah, when I was my, at my full-time job, when I, was, when I was going to my full-time job, I always wake up at, I don't know, half six, seven o'clock, Leave my yard at half past seven. Get home at half past five, six o'clock. Yeah, right. That's literally twelve hours, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. So I say to myself, you know what? It's taken me half an hour for to drive to walk. That's forty-five minutes of not being paid. Yeah, yeah. Good going to work, but I still include that in my work because I'm leaving my yard, isn't it? I'm yeah. not gonna pay for it, right? So I said to myself, you know what? I'm sick of this, man. Like, obviously. You have to work because you need to get your capital up to be able to do your ventures, whether it's my events, whether it's my cream, whatever. But you you hope there's a point where you don't have to do it no more, right? And But my thought was like, you know what? I The, the mathematics just don't work out working for someone. <laughs> it yeah. just doesn't work out. Like we have to, to get ourselves up in our business, but it just doesn't work out per hour what you're getting paid for the back working, the back breaking work you do. That's very true. Doesn't work out. It, like, and as soon as people realize that, the better it will be because more and more people will be like, you know what? I'm getting, I don't know, 10 quid an hour and my back's hurting. <laughs> like, yeah. and I've still got I've still got eight hours to go, seven hours to go, six hours to go, and I'm in pain. So, yeah, so this and you'd say that this, these are well as we began you were saying in regards to setting it up because you were DJing and you wanted to basically pay yourself get more events get things going because you wanted to do it yourself this is along the same lines of what you want to pass forward to the youth so on that note what I would before we close I just want you to give some knowledge for any young aspiring black 
British entrepreneur looking to set up their own business or it's just an idea. Any final words for them? Yes. Um, right. My, my final words would be, first, before that, save as much money as possible if you can. Um, you're going to start a business, so save as much money as possible or at least save enough to possibly match a loan of some, of some description, right? Um, you have to have a clear mind to about a young black boy or a young black woman. Clear mind of what you want to do. Business plan the lot. Um, also, you cannot, you, you can, obviously you can listen to people, but only listen to people who are doing the same. Not the same as in same as your product, but the same, <coughs> same journey. Um, a business, you listen to them because they're doing it. You don't listen to Sarah down at the shop. You listen to someone who's doing it similar to you within business. Um, I also advise you, you try and keep those type of people near you too. Um, whether you're a woman, young girl or young woman, um, and you're single, stay single. Stay single. I'm not trying to tell anyone about their love life, but stay single and just focus on what you need to focus on. Don't let something distract you. Same for the boys. Don't let, we all like good girls. You know what I'm saying? But do not let that distract you. Focus on your goal. You've got time for that afterwards. Just stay focused and stay in your zone and then um, work hard. And then once you do that, hopefully everything works out for you. Welcome back, listeners. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed the interview that I had with Rowan. It was very insightful. It was. And um, it was very personal. And it had some good energy going with it as well. It was nice and back and forth. So mm -hmm. I, I hope you got a good insight onto his journey. And just a small intake to what it's like being a business person in in the UK, in the environment of Black Britain. I think it was what's satisfying to my soul right now is that unless we have these conversations, you would never know, yeah? No. Um, but it's beautiful to know that people in our generation are heading in that direction of manifesting, you know, um, a lot. Because from this now, what he's done for his daughter is now helping others. Yes. Do you know yeah. what I'm saying? And, and that's the beautiful thing about it. Um, just something as simple as that, you know, roll with it and run with it and this is something that we try to tell our young people and if they can see models of this happening in the community that they live in and around them then hopefully change yes the change will come you know yeah I mean what I did like about that interview initially in terms of his start mm. was the concept that culturally you know in the black caribbean culture cocoa butter is it's pretty much essential in our house. And the fact that he came across, you know, a leading brand that wasn't beneficial for his household, he mm -hmm. still wanted that in his house. Yes. He didn't know how to live without it in his house. Mm -hmm. And that was like the eureka moment of, look, I need to 
I need to keep it this product in the house. So how can I do that? And yeah, flourished into what it is now, which is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, we it touched upon something there, which is very interesting, and a lot of times I have heard the downfalls of our people doing this they have a habit of doing something um and i know you know what it is before i even say it yes yes (laughs) yes if we're on the same page let's see then it's gonna be about our culture and always wanting a bargain we're not (laughs) looking into especially when it's from our own yeah no we see our own it just brings me back to like the old barbershop feeling and we've all done it where, you know, you go into a barbershop, it's black owned. And if it's like your first time, you're, you know, you're kind of skinning tea at the price. And you mm-hmm. think of yourself, let me get that for, for cheaper. And you have the audacity to ask. Yep. And now that, you know, I've experienced the ups and downs of setting up your own business, I found just like, as Rowan was saying, we don't value our own. We no. will put value into something that's more mainstream, mm-hmm. like a top brand designer where it used to be tailor-made in Italy. You could put mm-hmm. a value to the stitching and the tradition. Now, most things are just coming out of China, but because it's got a brand on it, they'll take that, they'll post their clips and say, look, I've just got the latest pair of trainers or shoes from so forth designer. But when it comes to your own, Mm. even though the product as he kept saying was high-end we always want a better price and we don't value what we are doing inside our community that someone is actually going for that entrepreneurship they're, they're following their dream and that is something that we need to eradicate asap because we're not going into like our local big branded uk stores and picking something off the shelf and going to the cashier and being like oh you do me this for two pounds cheaper even though we know it's high end mm-hmm. you know but from our own we will ask for less why i don't know i mean off off um record mm-hmm. when i was speaking to rowan he gave me an insightful story about um a family member of his restaurant Karumba, mm-hmm. how a lady went in there and she loved the jerk. She was like, this is the jerk that I grew up on because she was from uh, the West Indies. So mm-hmm. obviously, you know, it wasn't a westernized version. It was from the root. Obviously, the West Indies in the West, but still, it was very cultural. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she still said it was a bit pricey. Well, if, this is, if, if you got something that reminded you of home, yeah, how could you put a price on that? Mm-hmm. That's like mm-hmm. a, a, a photo from your youth showing you back a yard or, you know, back in the motherland and you get all that nostalgia coming back to you. Why would you want that for cheaper if they've done their job? You know, and that's something that I find is, is deeply embedded in our culture. Yes. We're, you, you've hit the nail right on the head there. Um, It takes a lot to do business. Like I've gone on a lot of, uh, business courses and things like that and you know when you're starting out and for me I wholeheartedly agree with everything that you said because when I sit down and I watch Dragon's Den or I sit down and I watch an next show you know um, it is business 
yeah. it's business. You have to go into it with that mentality of it's business. And that's how you're going to be successful. It's not a case of, well, I've known you from 19 long time. So, you know, or devaluing ourselves, like you said, you know, yeah. um, because people have got to eat. And if our community is going to benefit, which nine times out of 10, most of these businesses that are here are of benefit to our community. Yes, they are. Do you know what I'm saying? So, because if we look at the history of, we're going to have to go with Bedford because that's where we we um, come from. But um, there, I only really remember black businesses in my teens. And that was only through that shop there on Midland Road. And that was about it. But yeah, Rodney shop. Yeah, and the market yeah. stall, and the market yeah. stall that his dad had. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But other than that, it was mainly like music events and, oh, a, a club, you know, a yeah. club was owned as well. That was a business. And we had pubs. So there was that representation of our own out there on the streets, but then it kind of faded away. And obviously now it's come back. But now it's come back beautifully because I've been in Karamba and I absolutely love it you know what I'm going in and walking in I feel good about where I'm sitting you know the service that I'm getting it's like if I go into London and London prices are expensive you know as we know but I'm getting what I pay for yes and I, 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 I like the fact that you mentioned um our experiences drawing from small town UK because I did want to say that Personally, I think that the reason why we had such a, let's say, an influx of um, predominantly black businesses in small town UK is because they still had a sense of culture, mm-hmm. you know. So when they set up their store, they knew they would get a good customer base because at that time, most of us were still um, culturally grounded, mm. whereas today... The culture, the way it's been marketed to us, well, to the youth, is very different. Yeah. It's more in terms of like the the fashion, you know, mm. without representation, where we just dictate where the fashion goes. Let's say we put on some clothes that's trendy, or we make some clothes trendy, because you know, anything that we do will hit the top of the ladder of and be marketed for the rest of the world, because you know, we basically make everything look good. Yeah, cool. But with this youth now, it's not so much, let's say, the represent, um, representative colours that we're used to, mm-hmm. like the red, gold and green, or the red, I mean, the green, black and yellows. Mm-hmm. You know, these are co- uh, colours that we are used to seeing that represent ourselves, whether it's Caribbean or African. Yes. Whereas now, the young generation, they don't, they don't have that. No. They don't see that. And that's what I've been seeing in small towns. Whereas in inner city, because culturally things are still thriving um, because of obviously you know if for an example if you were to use South Hall massive Asian community yeah there's a lot of you know shops clothing support Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. then you would go to let's say South London um, Brixton massive uh, West Indian and African community even now in Croydon massive African community in those pocket areas you'll see the clothing you'll see the food you'll mm. see the shop owner that has all the yam the planting yeah. you know the okra the big 
dried um, fish just there yes. or snapper, yes. you know, like the cornfish. So you'll see that in pockets, you know, but in small town UK, uh, we've pretty much blended into the UK culture. Mm, no, you so. have to hunt you have to hunt and this is the thing we were mentioning beforehand um in earlier shows about building the structures and seeing ourselves so if you want this specific product but you can't see it sold by someone like us or you know um then let's get on it and do it you know um clothing that's that's a big one. I mean, now obviously due to the pandemic, everyone has now gone uh, grassroots level, and yeah. they're online. Yeah. So a lot of the times now, and and that makes things a lot easier. I gotta say because I, I can't lie. Shop the actual buildings itself is very expensive. We must remember this. Yeah, the prices increase. So that then determines the prices that people are going to have to charge in order to keep the roof over their heads. When you actually take the layers away and understand that, I I feel like you shouldn't actually be going in and asking for little discount unless, you know, (laughs) or, you know, them things there. We just need to get out of that mentality um, big time. Yeah, no, we do. We do. I mean, it, it works. It's, it's even on the other side of it. Like, um, there are local businesses that I buy food from online, yeah. uh, cook black food, West Indian food. And I had to tell them, stop giving me discount. Okay. And she, they looked at me like, why would you say that? And I, and I said, look, we have a tendency within our culture to devalue ourselves mm-hmm. give a discount if someone keeps coming back that doesn't happen unless you are a major corporation and you're buying wholesale mm. you know you can give discount if someone is doing a big party you know as long as you cover the cost you make yourself a, a 30 percent margin at minimum because that's how they do it in big corporations at mm. minimum it's a 30 percent margin they're looking to make on their um, return mm-hmm but if you're doing it at a lower level where you're just starting, no, don't devalue yourself. You you put your time, your sweat, you know, you, you've learned your recipes throughout the years. It doesn't mm. happen overnight. Put mm. value on that and keep it. Because at the end of the day, if I go to someone and say, yeah, I'm getting it at, let's say, £20 a tray, but mm. you're advertising it at £28 a tray, they're going to wonder why. That always causes, like... Um, well, the negative effect. Yeah. And that is happening amongst the community because I'm sure if you've ever gone into any form of business or been around peers, you've heard people say, well, why are you giving it to them at that price and not me? Mm. And that's very common in the black community. So I think if you're going to start business, just like Rome was saying in an interview, mm. you value it. You value your time, the effort and the work you put in and you keep strict on that price. Yes. At the end of the day, it's you that's, putting your work into that not them Mm -hmm. they're consuming it fine but they'll happily go to buy some fish and chips as well and consume Mm. that and pay the price so why not keep to the same price to yourself and i think that's something we need to do as well big time big time we're just going to head over for a quick break but we'll be back on the other side listeners myself and joseph we are back 
for part two. Um, and we have been covering business. We had a really interesting, had a really interesting conversation with Rowan. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely brilliant. A lot of things have come out from that. And, and something that I just wanted to read out to you um, in doing some research This came from the Center of Research in Ethnic Minority Entrepreneurship. And it's 2020, this report came out. It was done by the British Business Bank. And they had found that there were persistent disparities among the black business owners compared to white counterparts, highlighting systematic disadvantage at the root. So this follows on from the fact that black owned businesses are generating billions of pounds for the UK economy at present and are seen as a vital aid to helping Britain recover following the pandemic. Now, what are your thoughts on that? Well, that that just puts together everything we already know. Mm. Okay, so first thing, we already know that the black pound matters, you know, following back to when we were saying about, well, when I brought up about Black Panther. Yes. But as you can see, massive influx of entrepreneurship happening during the pandemic because everyone's feeling the pinch. Mm-hmm. Um, we were unified last year in terms of obviously the George Floyd incident mm-hmm. and Black Pound Day. So our money generates a lot for the UK. Mm-hmm. My problem is, is what are we going to get back from this? You mm. know, how are we being... And it's interesting that this is actually from the establishment's mouth that this yes. has been said. But where's the recognition? It's just put there as a, a statistic. Unless you look into it, you're not going to know that that's happening. I mean, obviously, we know because we see it. Mm. But... In terms of the other side of the fence, just like when we were talking about an education, where if it's not shown that we are contributing massively to the restructuring and rebuild of the economy yeah. due to the COVID-19 uh, pandemic, then how are we going to in terms of business and what we can bring to the table? How how are we going to repeat that bit again? Because you cut out. How how are we going to be seen as equals, basically? Mm. How are we going to be valued by those on the other side of the fence if they are not seeing or hearing this information about what we bring to the table? As I said, in regards to education, mm. you know, um, if we're constantly being shown in a negative light, then we are being devalued systematically. We are indeed. And what's interesting, and I've always thought this, I'm like, well, why do we, why are we putting our money here in, in, a, in a land that realistically does not recognise us yet? Why are we not putting it in where we are recognised, like Africa? It's because of what we're being portrayed. But obviously, as time goes by, uh, we're starting to see that Africa is not what they say it is. I mean, yes, just like everywhere else, there's poverty. Mm. But that's due to, because there is no race there, 
that's due to class. Now, the same system works here. Um, it's just that they don't, the UK has a thing where they don't like to put class in. They, would, they like the racial divide because they can argue it better about, well, look what we've done. We've had you come over, we've given jobs. No, yeah. we got jobs for ourselves. They were just available. But in terms of the image, let's say a, a good one now is Ghana. Ghana is very much on the rise. Big. Uh, their leader is doing massive things for their economy and their world investment interests. Mm-hmm. Listeners, uh, I, I urge you to take a good look at Ghana right now. Their, their leader is making a lot of ways for all of us because I'll quote what he says. If you are black and on this planet, all roads lead to Africa. Mm-hmm. So yeah. when we are looking at investing, we are only advertised to invest here, buy a house here, invest in Amazon, invest in Google, invest yeah. in the West. Now, they're not going to get any coverage in Africa in terms of what their investments are because the establishment doesn't want you to invest there. As yeah. you just said, we have generated billions to yeah. keep this boat floating. Mm-hmm. They don't want us to wake up, go home, and invest in ourselves, for ourselves. Because I guarantee you, the way things are looking, Africa is the next superpower. Yeah. It, might, it might seem like China is, but China's made massive investments in, China, in Africa as well because they mm. are seeing what's happening. Mm-hmm. That Africa is becoming self-sustainable. Hence why they don't want us to invest there. They want to keep that one as quiet as possible. But give it time. Um, we'll all see. Yeah, you know what's uh, interesting about that is I think we can go further with that. We can go deeper in talks in relation yeah. to Africa. And that has spurred us on to do a part two um, yeah. where we're going to be looking. Because a lot of uh, Black, even Black British um africans they are going back to their motherlands wherever that, yeah, ever that may Indians be as yeah well. exactly and gambia is on the rise as well so you know what let's do a part two for the listeners on this this one because we can go deep with that um and it will really enhance uh the solutions uh what that- i would like though is mm-hmm. um as we are going to do a part two if the listeners obviously we want to get you involved Yes. If you could just go on the Facebook page, give us suggestions or give us actual information. If you are, let's say, um, born in Africa, grew up in, in Britain, or you are a like a British African mm-hmm. and you have an insight on what's going on on your homeland, please fill us in so we can look into it and have more content for us to discuss. And furthermore, if you want to be on the show, you want to be yeah. a guest, you know, uh, come in and let us know uh, what you've been doing and let the listeners know, then feel free. You know, um, we can have a little chat and you can be on the show. So we don't discriminate here, do we, Joseph? No, no, no. Always, <laughs> always welcoming our people in. Mm-hmm. Um, so solutions, because we have to come to a close on this one. But there are many solutions which I feel we have been picking out as we have been discussing along the way but my main solution right now is hashtag supporting your own yeah 
and developing the mindset as well, I think is very important. As I, I said previously, you know, we want to get out of the mindset. If you're a business owner, stop looking at your own in terms of black people looking at another black person, expecting them not to pay the value of your price, I mean, of your product. Because at the end of the day, as um, Rowan was saying, if your product is good, the customers will come, whether they are black, white or Asian. They will come, have faith in your product, don't devalue it, you know, keep that mindset. And as a consumer, don't look at your peer and try and get what you can out of them. Value them for what they're doing because, you know, they're our own. We know the struggle. We know the hardship they're going to face, even if you haven't gone through it. You know the similarities or you've seen someone go through it. Value what they're bringing to the table mm. and pay the price. Yeah, big time, big time. Well, listeners, that's us for this week of Beyond the Root. But next week, we will be back talking. Yep. What are we good at actually going Beyond the Root talking about? Joseph, I feel it was to do with generational wealth. Yeah. Generational yeah. wealth. That's that's a very big one. And like Joseph said earlier, if you head over to our Facebook page and want to add in anything, have a little mention on the show, or just put in some comments that we can read out during the show and discuss further, uh, would be really helpful, actually. Yes, it would. What's your final thoughts or final thing to say to the listeners? Um, thank you once again. If you are new, um, I hope you enjoyed. And if you are listening to us again, thank you for joining us again. It's always a pleasure. Mm-hmm. And um, it's been great once again, Sam. It has, hasn't it? Yes, it, it has. has. I'm going to leave you with a quote that I have just found. And it says, it's up to you to bring yourself to the attention of powerful people around you. They're not going to find you on their own. And that comes from Richard Parsons. Do you know what? We are all powerful in our own right. Yeah, whatever we want to build, we can build. Let us continue to build these structures, not just for us, but for the next generation to follow. So on that note, stay blessed and we continue to go beyond the root. Hey guys, it's me with a quick one. I would just like for you guys to check out my other podcast called the In Focus podcast. And this is where I speak to people in our community who are on the rise. That's real, inspired, strong and empowered. Now on there, I have a show called Hashtag Elevating Brands and I'm currently looking for guests to appear on that show. So why not check it out? See what you think. And if you like what you hear, then get in touch at infocus at rootsnews.co.uk. That's Roots with a Z. And yeah, you can check it out on all listening platforms. But please get involved.